At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Minnesota Tim Podcast. Everyone, welcome into the Minnesota Tim Podcast. I am so excited about today's podcast. Rate and review the podcast wherever you are currently listening to this podcast. I would greatly appreciate that. On the Minnesota Tim Podcast today is my brother-in-law. He is a sports fanatic. He watched the Minnesota Timberwolves collapse versus the Memphis Grizzlies. And we're going to share our thoughts on that. We're going to talk about Carl Anthony Towns' utter disappointment throughout this entire series and potential trade suitors for Carl Anthony Towns. And then we're going to talk about Eric's leap of faith. He was a full-time doctor, now he's a part-time doctor, and he left that full-time position to become a campus pastor at Eaglebrook Church. We're going to talk about that experience, the call from God, and so much more. Now, let's welcome the one and only, my brother-in-law, Eric Starr! Eric, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate you having me today. Did you watch the basketball game on Thursday night? The Minnesota Timberwolves versus the Memphis Grizzlies game three at Target Center. God, I hate to say it, I did. It was a tough one to watch, especially as a, an avid Timberwolves fan. I was certainly plugged in the whole game, and it was a tough one to, to swallow last night. What was your reaction when you saw the Timberwolves jump out to that early lead? They're up by, I mean, seemed like 20 points in the first quarter. Yeah, I was feeling good about the game last night heading in. I thought first home game of the series back at Target Center, I was feeling really good about how we we're going to do coming in. And so uh, it was kind of going as I maybe expected a little bit. But as a, a Minnesota sports fan, you know, you can never feel too good about a lead or too good about a situation. So there was definitely in the back of my head waiting for, for that comeback to come on. The Timberwolves did what we wanted them to do. They split in Memphis. They won game one. We didn't expect them to win game two. And then they come home, they get that early lead, the target center crowd is riled up, and it's going our way. And in the back of the mind, though, you knew that something was going to happen, that the Grizzlies would make a run. And of course, we didn't even have to wait till the third quarter for them to make that run. They made the run in the second quarter, where the Timberwolves only scored 10 points. So as they're making that run, are you like, here we go again? Absolutely. That's exactly what starts going through the head. Ah, here we go. Now, game one, Memphis fought back. They got the game tied up. They, they did. At maybe at 1.2, and, and, and the Timberwolves fought through that. So we were hoping maybe we'd see that resiliency coming back and from the game one again. Um, but not only did they blow the, the lead once, they blew the lead twice in this game, <laughs> which just is, is frustrating. Yeah. So they had, they had the 26-point lead in the second quarter. Yep. Then the Grizzlies made the comeback to only trail by seven points going into halftime. And then in the third quarter, the Timberwolves made another run, eventually leading 
81 to 58, 79 to 55, and ESPN. I looked up the probability of the win. ESPN gave the Minnesota Timberwolves a 99.6% chance of winning when the Timberwolves were up 79 to 55 with 2 minutes and 41 seconds left in the third quarter. Then McDaniels dropped it out of bounds when he had a wide open dunk. McDaniels turned it over after the rebound, and McDaniels bricked the three. Then Chris Finch pulled them and put them in again pretty soon in the fourth quarter. And eventually it became 83-67 entering the fourth quarter, which was still a 97.7% chance of winning. I was talking with Haley while watching that game, and I was like, it's a 16-point game right now, but it feels much closer than that. Did you have the same feeling? Yeah, absolutely. Even the announcers at one point at the end of the third quarter uh, made a comment about this should be enough of a cushion. I think after someone hit a shot, a big shot, and this should be probably enough to carry them through the game. And so you start to start to feel good about where we're sitting on things, but it still creeps in the back of the head that you now this game's far from over. Memphis has uh, a lot of talent, a lot of grit, uh, as they always do, and so you can never count them out in a game like this. Was it ever a dream of yours to get on the all-time legendary show, The Price is Right? Oh, watch that show all the time growing up. Yeah, yeah, great show. Not the same right now with Drew Carey as it was back in the day, but still a pretty good show. Yes. Well, I looked up some odds that compared to the Minnesota Timberwolves losing that game against the Memphis Grizzlies on Thursday night. And if we were on the show, The Price is Right, the chance that we would get called to come on down was 1-36, in a 2.7% chance of winning or getting called down which is greater than the Timberwolves' chances of losing against the Memphis Grizzlies. We have a 1-in-5 chance, 20%, to live to 100 years old, which is higher than the Minnesota Timberwolves' chances to lose against the Memphis Grizzlies. Remember, we had a 99.6% chance to win, a 0.4% chance to lose. 1-in-86 odds a dollar spent at the box office will be for a movie with Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Wow. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And then one of my favorites, odds that an adult agrees that Bigfoot exists and will be discovered one day by science, 1 in 5.6. So 1 in 5. 20% chance. Hmm. Staggering. Yeah. <laughs> so I looked up the Timberwolves box score from um, Thursday night. Points per quarter. 39 in the first quarter. 12 in the second quarter, 32 in the third quarter, and 12 in the fourth quarter, which, to be fair, wasn't actually, I mean, it's 12, but Anthony Edwards hit a three with like 45 seconds left that was meaningless in that game. When you look at those numbers, what comes to your mind? Uh, Pathetic. That's (laughs) what comes to my mind. Yes. It's pathetic. And we played so well in those first and third quarters. And I'll give the Timberwolves credit. They bounced back after halftime. And I thought, starting to blow that lead into the second quarter into halftime, I thought Memphis would come right out and just kind of pound it down our throats again. But we we bounced back, and we, we took that lead again. And so, especially after that, I started feeling good again about where things were sitting as we as we were closing out that third quarter. And then everything changed when McDaniels made those those two poor plays, as you mentioned. Who would you put the loss on? That's a great question. You know, a lot of people out there are putting the loss on the coaching staff, that's for sure. Yeah, the timeouts. But, yeah, I mean, three yeah. timeouts, didn't call any one of them. I mean, I saw that there's some pictures on social media showing that the Timberwolves had three timeouts 
near the end of the third quarter. Finch said he wanted to save them for the end of the game if he needed them. But you're up by, what, 23, 24 points at that point. You don't even want to think about the end of the game. You got to call one. 21-0 run. You got to blow one there. We got a young team. Undisciplined, unfocused. A lot of chatter at halftime about uh, about the maybe <laughs> IQ of this basketball team. Yeah, and so you got to call one at that point and try to put an end to that. Charles Barkley called the team dumber than rocks. Would you agree or disagree with that statement? That, that's a little harsh, I think. But uh, <laughs> let's just say I can't disagree with some of his comments at halftime, especially the way they came out and, and laid another egg in the second half. Yeah. So I don't know if this is just between. Us and the fun that we have through text messaging, but you're a big Pat Beverly fan. Yes. Now, I don't know how much of, of a Pat Beverly fan you are, or if you just say some of the things to get under my skin a little bit just for the fun. Um, which is it? Are you a big fan, or do you just say it to jab at me a little yeah, bit? I think it's a little bit of both, Tim. A little yeah. bit of both. And uh, I'll be the first to say I was a, a Pat Bev hater before he joined the Timberwolves, but when he's on your team, you, you love to, oh, to have him I on your team. I still don't like him. I still don't <laughs> like him. I, I thought he would be one of those guys, but it's kind of like Russell Westbrook for me. Even if he was on my team, I still wouldn't like him. I don't like his style of play. He's just a little a nuisance for the other team, of course, but even for your own team sometimes. His pride is so great and is so heavy that sometimes, like the end of the game, where you were still, the Timberwolves were still in that game. And he tries to take Ja Morant off the dribble like two or three times. He scored once, and then two or three more times, he mm-hmm. missed it when Towns was wide open on the top of the key. I don't know. I don't like him. Yeah. Well, what I would say is we wouldn't be in the position we're in without uh, him on our team. That's and fair. So that's fair. As a, as a Timberwolves fan, i got to be excited to have him because he's he's played a huge role in getting us where we're at. Now, I, again, I don't disagree with your, your thoughts on him. and um, But I would say he played a huge part in getting us that lead in the first quarter, like you said. He uh, he had that, that confidence and swagger going right away off the tip. And uh, so he really carried us a lot in that first quarter. However, he did have some pretty... Uh, pretty tough, tough plays. I think even the second half um, with with some of what he was doing. So he uh, also killed us at a couple points. And I think he was all from all for five from three. I thought I saw. And um, so I wasn't knocking down shots and and maybe forcing things a little bit. So, uh, but at the end of the day, I got to be be uh, glad he's on our side. Yeah, yeah. He. I will agree with you. The Timberwolves are in the place because he has brought a mentality. He has brought a work ethic. He has brought an expectation to this team that they didn't have um, before he arrived. So when I look at the Memphis Grizzlies statistics from Thursday night against the Wolves, John Morant, 5 for 18, 16 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, triple-double, but, I mean, that shooting percentage is awful. Mm. Bain, 8 for 19. Brooks, 4 for 14. Clark had a great game off the bench, 6 for 9. But their main players, Darren Jackson, 2 for 6, 6 points, Their best players didn't have a great game. Mm -hmm. And the Timberwolves still lost, which has to be deflating if you're the Timberwolves. Absolutely. And and I don't know if that points more to uh, the disappointment of the Wolves bench or if that points more to the depth that the Memphis Grizzlies really have. And I think about someone like Tyus Jones, you know, homegrown Minnesota boy. Big three, too. Big three. He had a couple big shots in that game. Just, Just steady as always. Uh, they have a deep team, and they can have a lot of guys come at you and, and put them on the floor and do a lot of good things. And 
Uh, I think even their record this year without Ja on the floor is enough to show you that that depth is is the real deal. Yeah. Is this series over? Mm-hmm. No. No? No, no. You're, you're just saying that you don't no, actually no. believe it. No. Not over. You're really? Not you, over. You don't think we're going to be too deflated? You think the Timberwolves, of all teams, are mentally strong enough to come back game four and win at Target Center after just losing a 26-point lead? And I thought about this throughout the night. It's not, it's not like they just blew a 26-point lead and lost. If we had a 37-point lead, the Timberwolves still would have lost because they outscored us by 38 points. Crazy. I'm still believing. I still have faith. Now, game four will tell it all. Obviously, we lose that game. Series over. There's no way we're winning three, three in a row. Uh, it's an uphill climb, and that was a big game that we needed to win, game three. We really needed to, to win that first home game and take control of that series. So we're in a, a tough, tough spot. I'm not giving us a great chance of uh, coming back to win this series, but I'm going to hold out the little bit of, of hope that I have that we can come around and win game four and, uh, and keep battling. I guess they outscored us by 35 points, but 38 yes. points include, uh, doesn't include the meaningless three by yes. Anthony Edwards. Without that three by Edwards, the Grizzlies not only come back from 26 points, but they win by double digits. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just, just hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Let's see how they come out first quarter next game. That'll tell us a lot. <laughs> I don't think it will. Exactly. <laughs> not, I don't exactly. think so. <laughs> I don't think it will. Give, give, let me, let's see how they perform in the second and uh, fourth quarter in that game. Absolutely fair. Uh, I, I, you can't expect Morant to go 5 for 18 again. No. That's, that's the uh, problem. I, I can't expect that from one of the great players in this game. And that's the other disappointing thing about that game last night is we had the perfect opportunity to steal that game. Oh, 2-1 at home, Target Center, game four. It was electric last night. It was. If we won that game, I would have given the Timberwolves a realistic opportunity, a chance to win the series. Yeah, I would have felt a lot better about it. So yeah, <laughs> uh, that's for sure. But uh, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna hold out my faith here that uh, they can bounce back and uh, and do something. But it was good to see D'Lo playing well last night. He played much better. He did. Uh, and seemed to slow down after the the knee to knee at the uh, which I don't know which quarter that was in. But after he banged knees, he seemed to slow down a little bit. But but what about Cat? What are your thoughts on Cat? Oh Tim? my gosh, what's yeah. going on here? <laughs> So I have a problem with Cat's toughness. Well, first, he's... I'm going to be careful my words here. He's not a very smart player on the court. He obviously gets in foul trouble way too much. And he seems to buckle when the pressure comes. Um, The biggest problem I have with Carl Anthony Towns is that Steven Adams didn't start. He didn't play a single minute in that game. Their tallest player can't be more than, what, six... Eight six nine, mm-hmm. maybe Jared Jackson six nine, but I think he's their tallest player. Mm-hmm. Him and not uh, that Clark fella, <laughs> and Towns still can't get the ball in the post. In the first half, he finally went down to the post in the second quarter, and they couldn't get him the ball because Towns isn't strong enough, or tough enough, or smart enough to demand the ball and get the ball without fouling the other team. Yeah. So I mean, before he even gets the ball, he fouls the guy or. They, they were fronting him, and Towns couldn't get the ball. And the one time he finally drew that foul on Jaron Jackson, next play down, draws that offensive foul on, on Clark, and uh, yeah, just, again, deflating. But I don't understand why 
he can't get positioned down in the post. Why? That's a great question. I don't get it. And get the ball and make a move before the double team comes. But I will give it to Memphis. They've had an incredible strategy. It seems like the same thing the Clippers were doing. Yeah. Swarming defense. And he just can't can't seem to handle it. No, he can't. Towns' last four games with a lot of pressure on the line. 15.75 points per game. Four turnovers per game. Almost five fouls per game. Eight and a half rebounds per game. So catch this. Towns had more fouls, five, in game three, and the same amount of turnovers, four, in game three, as shot attempts in 33 minutes. That's tough. That's tough. And I saw that was his lowest uh, field goal attempts in his career as well. So, uh, and you know what? If we can, if he can pass out of that and make good plays and smart plays and get the ball where it needs to go and we can keep scoring like we have, I'm fine with it, but... Uh, it's it's some of his antics. It's some of the, the the fouls he's trying to draw. It's the complaining that he's doing. It's I gotta be honest. It's tough to watch. Yeah. Do you think he has a negative impact on the rest of the roster? I think he can at times. I really do. The complaining on fouls and, and let's be real. There are times where where maybe he's fouled and doesn't get the call or vice versa. But there are a lot of times where the foul is called and he complains and it's a foul. Yeah. I mean, let's talk game two here kicking the leg out in the three-point attempt, and he's going crazy. Yeah, how? How? He always looks, he always puts up his hand. He does the same act every time. Every time. Every time. And for me, that's what's frustrating because it's so clearly and obviously a foul at times for him. If he would just close his mouth and move on, I think he would get more foul calls. I think these refs know and understand for him that he complains so much. It's not going to help his case, and it's just hurting him the more that he complains on these fouls. Players aren't the only ones that watch game tape. Officials watch game tape after every game. And when they watch the game tape to see whether or not it was a foul, whether or not they made a mistake, they watch their mistakes, they watch their um, uh, successes on the basketball court just as much as the players do. And when they see that Towns is complaining about this call, and it was actually a foul on him, it completely discredits his credibility. Yeah, and it's got to be something that changes because he's consistently at the top of the league and falls uh, each year in and out. Now Jaron Jackson's right up there with him too. Each had five falls last night, and so. Uh, but for Towns, it's got to be something that that changes, and uh, yeah, it starts with uh, with the complaining piece and and uh, cutting that out. And Towns has playoff experience too. I don't want to hear this. He doesn't have playoff experience. The Timberwolves made the playoffs a couple of years ago with Jimmy Butler leading the way against the Houston Rockets. I mean, it was only one series. We're an eight seed, yada, yada, yada. But still, that is playoff basketball. We did win one game that series. Yeah. Yeah. And he was absent that series against Houston too, wasn't he? Was he? In terms of not showing up to play, he was awful. Collapse. Terrible. terrible. It's like LeBron James back in uh, 2011 when they lost to the Dallas Mavericks. Mm. He averaged like 16, 17 points per game. It's like the same... It's like the same deal. Mm-hmm. And in the second half of the season, post-January, Towns was one of the best players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And then to see the collapse from being one of the best players in the NBA second half of the season mm-hmm. to this playoff disappearance has to be worrisome. And if he wants to be an all-NBA player this year and year in and year out, then uh, he's going to have to start showing up in these big games and these playoff games and, and doing more. Yeah. And uh, I think there were even a couple times last night where he wanted the rebound on, on a couple rebounds, and, and one went out of bounds, and the other one I think Vanderbilt grabbed from him, and he seemed upset. And so 
I wish he uh, cared less about maybe some of those stats and, and more about just getting his team to play well, and, and uh, especially on the defensive end. But, again, I'll tip my hat to Memphis. They've had a great game plan against him. I don't think we're seeing Steven Adams the rest of this series. No way. No, no. chance. And uh, they're doing just fine with the way that they're defending him. So got to got to tip your cap. Now, the other thing for me, too, is, you know, you can't, can't be given our, our inexperience in the, in the young team uh, as an excuse either because Memphis is a younger team than we are. Right. And, uh, and so their focus, their ability to hang in that game and, and tough it out. Uh, says a lot about them, and, and there's no reason that uh, we couldn't be doing the same. Oh, 100% agree. Okay, last bit on Towns here. And a Timberwolves trade idea. Oof. Carl Anthony Towns for Rudy Gobert straight up. If the Utah Jazz lose this series against the Dallas Mavericks, I think Luka's coming back in Game 4, but he's missed the first three games. If they lose that series, Mitchell, Gobert, they're going to have to break that thing up, I would think. Mm. Towns for Gobert straight up. It provides Minnesota more defense. It gives the Jazz more offense. It gets Towns out of Minnesota and brings a defensive rebounding machine to Minnesota, which we need really bad. And shot blocker. And shot blocker. Yeah, yeah, he owns the paint. Interesting take, Tim. Um, I think for me here, <laughs> I think for me, I'd need more than just go bare. I would. Yeah. Uh, Towns is a special talent, especially on the offensive end. I know it's been we've been nailing him, and it's been a frustrating last few games. Uh, no, granted, game one he played well, uh, but uh, he's a special talent, and so I'd need more than that trade. But interesting to think about. <laughs> I, I love would, how you. I love how you worded that. I would love to have a little more defense and uh, a little more. Uh, tenacity down in the post and, and a rim protector and someone who's going to snag uh, snag up our rebounds and we're we're a small team we need more size and so uh, I'd be intrigued with that I love I love what we got offensively I feel like I'm getting you I feel like I'm getting I feel like I'm pulling you you're starting to pull me in here I love what we got offensively with Ant and D'Lo uh, now splitting up D'Lo and, and Kat's going to be a, a tough order but um, they'll get over it yeah yeah, you're right. You're right. But uh, but I, I mean, consider the, I'd entertain that. The Timberwolves are number one in offense. The Utah Jazz are seventh in offense according to this season. Towns scored twenty four and a half points per game compared to Gobert's fifteen and a half points per game. So we'd be sacrificing nine points per game. But think how much we would be adding just in in defense. And Edwards would be a year older. He would be more mature. Hopefully he can continue to add to his game. We have scores. McDaniels will be a year older. Maybe throw him into the starting lineup. Gobert averages 15 rebounds per game. Towns averages just less than 10. Hmm. All right. All right. So you'd do it. I would do it. I would make the trade. (laughs) (laughs) Think about it. I'd have to think about it. I'd have to think about it. Maybe maybe they'll throw in a first-round pick. There we go. Go on, throw in a first-round pick. Maybe a couple. Yeah. (laughs) But I I do agree. I keep hearing that uh, if the Jazz loses first round, they might have to start splitting up. They have to. I think think it's probably time that they do. They're good, but, I mean, they're not, like, I mean, it's a four four, four or five seed. Yeah. You know, it's a, yeah. I just, I just don't see they it. trade Mitchell? There, uh, there is. Okay. I've heard. I thought they were going to trade him last year. I thought he was pissed. I thought. I thought he was. I, I did. I didn't think he got along with Gobert anymore. Yeah, I've I've heard that too. Actually, I think that's pretty public information in some ways. So, so maybe they get rid of him, Mitchell for town straight up. There you <laughs> <So>. go. <laughs> let's uh, let's make a three headed monster yeah. uh, in, the, in the front court here, yeah. or the back court. I mean, so, yeah, we'll not, see. not enough balls to go around. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, Eric, um, just to transition from the sports spectrum a little bit, um, I'm a youth pastor. You look up to me a much, and uh, I'm just That's right. I'm just teasing. And uh, just kidding, just kidding. Um, and you have been a full time chiropractic worker for a long time, full time doctor yep. at a chiropractor for uh, at a chiropractic place for a long time, mm-hmm. Team Healthcare Clinic to be exact. And um, you felt the calling on your heart from God. Share your experience with that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been months, uh, several months here that I've just felt God kind of pulling me into just a different, uh, different direction in my life at this time. And, uh, it's been through a, a series of, of conversations and, uh, many people in my life that have spoken into my life and, uh, just been hearing from, from both family and, and friends and, uh, even people at church I've, I've had conversations with just about, um, seeing me in ministry and seeing me as a pastor someday. And so I uh, just started to, uh, to listen to that and just felt like that uh, this is an undeniable uh, kind of calling from the Holy Spirit that he's been laying this on my heart and, and, and kind of drawing me into that. And there was a, a time a couple months ago where I, I felt like I'd closed the door on that and, and was, was very content and, and still have been just very content with where, where I'm at as a chiropractor and in the clinic that I'm in love I uh, love where I work there. Um, and then another conversation came along as I was closing that door that just flew it, flew it right back open again. And so I felt like it was it would be disobedient not to take a step and, and just see what God had for me in that. And so uh, so here I am now. I'm taking some of those steps and, and accepted a, a pastoral position at our church at, at Eagle Brook. And so just really excited to be joining the team there and the staff and and just seeing what God has next for me in my life. That's so awesome. Haley and I are so proud of you taking this next step and obeying the Lord's call on your life. And um, it's just so awesome. I know when I was going through this situation, I'm not really, it's a little different for me. I didn't have to leave my full-time job. I'm a part-time youth pastor at our church. You aren't leaving your job either. You're going to still stay as a part-time um, doctor at your chiropractic at Team Healthcare Clinic. And are jumping into the pastor role as a full-time job. Mm-hmm. When God was putting this call on your life, was there any like was there any part of you that was like I, I don't think so, Lord. Not not right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certain certainly moments where it feels like yeah, yeah, God, are you really asking me to do this? Are you really calling me into this? And and that took a lot of a lot of discernment in prayer. Uh, my wife and I uh, Pray very diligently about big, uh, big transitions and things in our life. When it came to came to to starting a family, when it came to choosing the church we were at to begin with, uh, we always dedicate um, those decisions around twenty one days of, of intentional prayer. And so, it took a lot of that and this conversation to uh, to make sure that this was a step that God wanted me to take. And so, uh, I've been blessed with uh, a lot of mentors, a lot of great people in my life that I look up to that have again spoken into my life very positive positively and uh, and really have 
guided me through this process. And so I'm certainly at peace about it and excited about what the what the next step in future holds. You did a lot better job than I did. I uh, ignored the call for a few months and just uh, <laughs> I, I just kind of put it to the side. I was like, ah, oh, this isn't from God. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. And then I finally made the call in the past. And the, the head pastor at our church was like, yeah, we were actually going to ask you to be the youth pastor, which was a confirmation for me. Mm. As you were in your Bible and scripture, was there anything in scripture that was telling you to uh, to do this? Mm. Yeah. So I had a lunch uh, lunch with our campus pastor. Uh, his name is TJ. And when I was going through this process and just starting to kind of gain some information about what the position is like and what I'd be doing and, and what it's like to be on staff there, uh, we were chatting and, and he brought up a, a scripture passage in Matthew. And it was the passage when Jesus called his first disciples. And mm. so he, he called. Jump out of the boat? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> it got me too. That's yeah. the one that was telling me to jump out of my boat. Absolutely. And so, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so, so Jesus calls them and, um, and they drop their nets and they immediately follow him. And so for me, that was just uh, this imagery I can get out of my head of, you know, like God has used chiropractic as, um, as an important aspect and piece of my life. And I, I still love what I get to do with that. Um, but if he's calling me to, to drop my net and, and drop that profession and, and a lot of years and time that I put into that, then uh, I need to be obedient to that. I need to, to listen and obey. And so uh, it feels like, again, just a big leap of faith, but I've been blessed with a lot of past experiences as well that have really just carried me through moments like this where I've seen God's faithfulness in the past in certain situations. And so I know I'm going to see it again and, and just have great peace about that. So Eric, do you mind sharing any of those experiences that you had in the past that have helped you transition to this time in your life? Yeah. Yeah. So the big one for me was back in college and, and you might not even know this about me, Tim, in terms of just some of my, Oh, I know my background. No, oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe yeah. you do. Maybe you do. <laughs> no, I know. I don't know. I don't think I do. <laughs> Um, so I went to, to University of Northwestern. It was Northwestern College at the time. And and I had planned to go to another school for a very long time until I finished up playing basketball my senior year of high school. And and so after I was done playing, I started to get that itch to want to continue to play and, and to try to play in college. And so um, really, I ended up at Northwestern in, in St. Paul here. Um, really to play basketball. And it led me into uh, pursuing a education in chiropractic as well. Um, but a lot of what drew me to Northwestern was the chance to play basketball. And so I actually played basketball and tennis for my freshman year there. And by the end of that, of those seasons, I was just in a season of feeling really burnt out, you know, play AU basketball and, and, and you play basketball through high school. It's a long season. It's a grind. It's a grind. And especially in college, it, uh, you start in October and don't finish till basically April and you hit every break of, of school. And so you just put, you know, put a lot of time into that. And so, um, so I was feeling burnt out and just trying to, to pursue and process um, what God might have next for me, whether that's to continue to play or whether that was to, to do something else. And, and I had an opportunity. I was at varsity and, and got in a couple games um, my freshman year and had opportunities to, to, to play and, and even maybe some hopes to start that next year uh, on the varsity team. But, um, but I felt God pulling me into something else. And so it was, again, uh, seeking a lot of wisdom and advice in terms of what my next step should be. And so, um, I had, again, some experiences during that time and just moments of, of where I really felt the Holy Spirit very, very clearly 
speaking to me to, to, to drop that and to, to pursue something else. And so during that time, um, I, I decided to stop playing sports and got into a role with the campus ministries at Northwestern. And so, so part of what gives me such great peace now in this decision is to look back and to see God's faithfulness. And mm. I look back and have no regret over that decision as hard as that was yeah. as many uh, people as I disappointed in that decision uh, I can look back and just see the ways that God worked through that and the ways that he was faithful in that. And so, um, so I have great peace right now, just knowing that That's God's, so awesome. God's seen me through that experience and that transition. And so I know that he's going to do that again for me. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, Eric, thanks so much for taking time to share your experiences and share um, how you've transitioned from being a full-time chiropractor, a doctor at a clinic to uh, a uh, campus pastor at Eaglebrook. And We'll continue to pray for uh, the transition and routine for you and your wife and child and uh, a different change of pace and a different schedule. And uh, we know you'll be great at this position. And we're just so excited to uh, see God work through you. And um, it, it really, truly is uh, inspiring to uh, see someone who um, went to school for so long to become a, a doctor and a chiropractor to leap and jump out of the boat and um, attack this new position with vigor and trust is is so cool so i will continue to pray for that thanks tim really appreciate it thanks for your encouragement and prayer through the process and uh, thanks again for having me on today yeah so much fun at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.